Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. If your patience is not tested by that long reading, I don't know what will, what will test it. I have to say, just a brief word on our lectionary. You know, um, our lectionary, our, our set of texts that we read each week in worship are assigned, and we go through a calendar. Every three years, we, we try to go through the whole Bible. That's the idea. And you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are, um, they get their own year. John doesn't get his own year. And so they, the people who constructed the lectionary had to get John in periodically. And so when John appears, oftentimes he, he comes in big, big passages because we've got to cover up that, that ground that would otherwise not be covered. So that's why that reading is kind of longish, but I have to say it's a very powerful reading, and if you, if you were able to track with it, um, then great. If not, hopefully this, this sermon will help on some level, but if you couldn't track along, I encourage you to go read it um, just in, in the quiet when, when you get a chance. Take this uh, bulletin with you and do that. I know it's hard to sit. We live in this, I mentioned yesterday our prayer day, but we live in a microwave world. Uh, everything's so quick. You know that. Um, I'm so busy in my life that the only button I use on the microwave is the 30-second button. Uh, I can't even press two buttons. I've just got to hit that one. So you know how it is. So I encourage you to go read that. And as Tom reminded me before the service, you know, this, this is really a passage about the radical Jesus. The radical Jesus. And I'm not going to read the other reading that's assigned from Romans, but I, I will briefly talk about it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to tell you uh, the radical nature of God's love comes out in that, that passage as well. Well, what's going on here? What, what is uh, the evangelist John talking about? We've got a woman at the well who's a Samaritan. And if you're not familiar, the Samaria um, was, in its own way, connected to the 12, uh, 12 tribes of Israel. Much like Jerusalem, or excuse me, the Jewish people, the Samaritans also traced their lineage back. And they had some of the similar scriptures, you know, they, they had the Pentateuch. But at some point in their history, uh, the northern and southern kingdom of Israel split. And so the Samaritans went their way, and the Jewish people went their way, or those that would become the Jewish people. And so uh, they're so close, uh, and so much alike, that they hate each other. Uh, you know how that is. You, your closest, closest, closest rival is often the person in your same state. I mean, I, I know I, I bore you with these details about where I'm from, but back in Alabama, you know, Tuscaloosa and Auburn, they're not that far apart, but the University of Alabama and the Auburn University, I mean, they cannot stand each other. They're so close, they can't stand each other. And so you've got somewhat of a rivalry, but it's much, much worse than just some silly college football rivalry. It's, uh, we're talking about the difference between religious ideologies. We're talking about the, the difference between um, political entities. And uh, you, you understand the intensity of that. And so Jesus approaches this woman who, first of all, is a woman. Uh, that in and of itself is radical, that a man would approach a woman alone. But secondly, uh, and maybe less importantly for the sake of the story, but secondly, uh, she's a Samaritan. She's not a Jew. She is unclean. Unclean, uh, not because she's not just a Jew, but also because she's one of those people. She's one of those people. You know what I'm talking about. And so he approaches her, and he asks for a drink. So he's coming from a place of humility. That's the third kind of radical thing. How in the world would a man, uh, a Jewish man at that, ask a Samaritan woman for a drink? So we've got a lot going on here. Jesus is continually, radically uh, overturning our conventions. Um, In some ways, you'd say he doesn't have good manners, at least by these standards. But he asks for a drink, and the woman is taken aback by it. She, just everything I just told you, that's in the back of her mind. Why is this guy approaching me? I'm unapproachable by his standards. Why is he approaching me? And of course, this opens up the door for Jesus to have a conversation with her. 
not just about physical water, which, you know, is important. We all need it. I don't know how many days. I think, what, three days you can go without water? Maybe longer. But water is important, but not so important as what he's talking about here, which is this living water. So he's using this very uh, earthy, daily experience of water to, to point to something much deeper. And throughout Scripture, water is powerful symbolism for our death and our resurrection, our being cleansed. You know, our opening colic talks about that just a little bit, about um, being cleansed, protecting our bodies and souls and being cleansed of all unrighteousness. So Jesus opens up the door with this, this radical encounter to talk about things that really matter. So I'm going to draw your attention. You don't have it before you. I'm going to read just a snippet from Paul's letter to the Romans. And this really opens up even more this, this radical nature of what God has done in Christ. And you've probably heard this one before, but he goes on in chapter 5 to say, While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why? One will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for a good man, one will dare even to die. Sinners, Christ died for us. Shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we are now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received our reconciliation. So Paul is talking about the same idea, the same radical Jesus. Not only does he approach the unapproachable, not only does he love the unlovable, he actually forgives the unforgivable, and he dies for those that are set against him. And you often hear this, right? You hear, uh, even in romantic relationships, where people talk about, oh, I would just die for you. I would take a bullet for you. Uh, I mean, the quintessential example from pop music is Prince, I Will Die For You. It's a wonderful song. And, but, you know, that's, it's not, oh, by the way, I heard that last year right before he died. Right uh, here at Calvary St. George's, at St. George's Church, it was covered by a guy named Derek Webb. He sang that song. This was three days before Prince died. It was kind of eerie. But that song, you know, that song makes sense in a romantic relationship or for your friends or for, you know, your family. Uh, most of us would say that we would take a bullet. We would die for a loved one. How much, how weird though, how unconventional, how bizarre, how radical is it that Christ would be willing to die for those that are not lovable, um, that are not redeemable, that are not forgivable, that are unapproachable? So Paul here opens up even more. Jesus showed it in his actions, and Paul kind of explains even more with his words how radical this is. And maybe you you feel like this doesn't relate to you. Maybe, you know, we're here in New York. There's a lot of winners in New York, a lot of winners, a lot of beautiful people, a lot of people on top. And so to try and identify with those who are unapproachable or those who are uh, less than fortunate or those who are not on top, sometimes that's hard for us to do. Um, Maybe it's not, but... For a lot of us, it's hard to do. But I want you to think for just a moment. Think about that moment in junior high school. Um, It could have been elementary school. It could have been in college, for goodness sake. It could have been any time in your life. But there was probably some point in your life where you weren't the best. You weren't on top. You weren't the winner. You weren't the most lovely in the room. And Jesus is coming and approaching that person. Um, That girl who would have never been asked to the dance. He's asked into the dance. That person who would have never been picked to be on the, uh, the kickball team. He's picking that person first. You remember that, being in line in preschool or or elementary school and just the terror of being picked and uh, kickball last? He's picking that person first. And so just try for a minute to identify with that. Try and identify with that woman at the well who, by all accounts, 
by her, her very ethnic background, by her gender, uh, by her life history, having five husbands. And it may not have been such a promiscuous thing. She could have been a promiscuous person, but it may have just been an unfortunate circumstance uh, where her husbands died or moved on. But whether, that, whether it's promiscuous or not, it's for the most out. Over, it's, it's, it's not desirable. It's not something anyone would have wanted. And yet that's who Jesus singles out. Over and over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus is picking the last verse. And he's not just approaching them, and he's not just giving them the words of life. He's dying for them, as Paul says. He's dying and raising for them. So this, this truly is the radical Jesus. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Wind Rises. It's, a, it's an anime film. It's a, Miyazaki, one of his last. And this is a good illustration of this. You know, the, the protagonist in the film, his, his name is slipping my mind. This is terrible. That's one of my favorites. But uh, the person that he falls in love with has a, 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 a terrible disease, tuberculosis. I mean, she's within months of death. And he knows this full well. This is a person who's unapproachable. This is a person who's unlovable from the outside looking in. And yet, he proposes marriage to her. He loves her. He's willing to enter into this. Jesus has done the same thing for us. We have a terminal illness. Uh, our days are numbered. And I'm not talking about just about physical death, but everything about us is finite and failing and falling apart. And Jesus approaches us. Jesus chooses us. And so that analogy breaks down because that young woman in the film, she's really lovely. Even though she's got a disease and even though her days are numbered, uh, she's got a lot going for her. I don't know about you, but when the Decalogue was read this evening, um, it was very challenging for me. And I realized how unlovable and unlovely and um, (laughs) how finite I really am when I hear those words. And we repeat back, amen, Lord have mercy. That's a hard word to say. Well, I want to close in saying this. The woman's words, you know, she was was taken aback, um, the woman at the well, that Jesus would even approach her. She was taken aback that uh, he would even talk to her. And her confession at the end is, he must be the Messiah. He must be the Savior because he told me everything that I ever did. I don't know about you, but that is not good news for me. God knowing everything that I've ever done. And when we read that Decalogue, that's hard. That's a hard word, knowing that God sees everything in me. Sees everything in me. And so just like the collect says, Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. He sees right through that. And yet he still chooses to love to forgive, to justify, to save, to approve, and to welcome. Don't think in the general, a general message, it's for everybody, but I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, it is for you. Don't think in the general, don't think in the abstract, think this is for me right now. And I can assure you, it is for you. No matter how unlovable or unloving you feel, it is for you. And that was one of the big debates in the Reformation. The Reformation, for all of its glories, it had some faults, but one of its greatest glories was, the debate was, is God attracted to that what's lovely? Is he attracted and give his grace to that which um, merits it? Or does his love go towards that which is unlovable and ugly and unjustifiable and create what is lovely? Well, friends, uh, our church has fallen on the second. It said that uh, God's love creates what's lovely. So even though it's not already there, it blossoms after the fact. And just like that young girl in junior high school, who is finally asked to the dance, you see her come alive. You see the beauty come out in her. At first, she was kind of a wallflower, but when grace comes, when that outside word that says, you are approvable, you are lovely, you become lovely. Over time, it becomes real. And so that's the good news for you. Even if you don't feel lovable and even if you don't feel lovely, God is looking at you and saying, sure you are. I love you. And over time, it blossoms in us and it shows forth in good fruit and good work. And for that, friends, we can be thankful. 
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you search us out and you approach us who are unapproachable, uh, whether it be for our ethnic background or our gender or all the little things that we check on a box, Lord, that we identify with. Uh, you see through these things and in these things, and you find us lovely despite our sin. So we thank you for the, the forgiveness of sins, and we thank you for the promise of new life in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.